Thank you for listening to the Renovation Church podcast. We're a family that believes you matter, and together we can do something that matters. We hope that this podcast aids you in your spiritual journey toward Jesus. If we can serve you on that journey, please let us know by visiting our website, renovationchurch.com. We always love to hear how the ministry of renovation is impacting your life. The best way to let us know is by leaving a review or tagging us on social media. Wherever you are in the world, know that Jesus loves you and we love you. Enjoy the podcast. The thing that you take, perhaps, for granted most in this world is your most precious gift. I've seen countless Bibles rolled up in the back of cars, sitting in the back window, catching the sun, peeling the leather. We have them dusty, sitting around our homes, stuffed in different places, because our access to the Bible has proven to create in us a lack of consideration for the gift that it is. And yet for other people, the Bible is something much more precious and perhaps it's because they don't have as much access or perhaps it's because they have come to their faith through more pain. But whatever the reason, in the West, the Bible does not carry the weight that it carries in the rest of the world. In fact, during the Chinese Cultural Revolution, which spanned about a decade from the mid-60s to the mid-70s, Chairman Mao sought to eradicate the country of what he believed were harmful capitalist and traditional ideas in Chinese society. Among the purges was anything related to Christian religion. In response, Christians were forced to go underground to practice their faith in secret. In fact, There were many Christian communities that only shared one Bible or pages of the Bible because all of them had been destroyed. One of these young Christians was a man named Brother Yoon. He was told that the way to truly know Jesus was through his word, the Bible. But only few old followers of the way had ever actually even seen a Bible. They had all been burned. He was urged by an older believer that since the Bible is a heavenly book, that he ought to pray to ask the Lord, the God of heaven, to send him a Bible. And he assured Brother Yoon that God would be faithful to provide for months. And I really want you to hear this. For months, he fasted and he prayed. Not for a promotion, not for a partner, which is not wrong, not for deliverance from a situation that he got himself into. He fasted and he prayed and he wept, daily asking in a simple prayer, Lord, please give me a Bible. Amen. As an aside, if my voice gives out tonight, forgive me. I've been doing audiobook readings uh, for my book the last two days, and you have never suffered through anything until you've read out loud for five straight hours. And then you can't make a mistake. It has to be exact to the book, or they start you over again. 
So I don't have all the juice tonight, so you guys please bear with me. As he prayed this prayer, he ate only a bowl of rice for dinner. And he would cry out, cry out to God, quote, cry like a hungry child to his heavenly father, longing to be filled with his word. Then one night, after more than six months, six months of praying and fasting, he received a vision at four in the morning. In the vision, he was weak and he was helpless. He had fasted so long that he didn't even have enough energy to go up a hill with his cart. When suddenly an old man appeared and two servants were pushing a cart of fully baked bread in his direction. The old man asked Brother Yoon in this vision if he was hungry. And he cried out, yes. And the old man gave him a red bag and in it was a loaf of bread. And as soon as Yoon bit into the bread, it turned into a Bible. When he woke up, he started searching his house in tears, looking for the Bible. The commotion was so great that his parents woke up and asked him what happened. He recounted what he'd seen in the dream, but his parents feared that he was actually losing his mind from fasting too long. As they tried to console him, there was a gentle knock at the door. Brother Yoon already knew who it was. He asked through the door, are you bringing me bread? A man answered, yes, we have a bread feast to give you. When he opened the door, the two attendants from his vision were there with a red bag. And in that red bag, was his very own and very first Bible. God, over many months, had answered his prayers. And the reason why it took so long, the story goes on, the reason why it took so long is because God had told an old, older believer on the other side of town that he needed to relinquish his Bible for this new Christian, but the older believer was hesitant because he did not want to die for bringing this young man a Bible. But eventually he obeyed the Lord. He sent his servants and they delivered the bread. This is an incredible story, not only about the power of prayer, but it's incredible because it is the power of prayer meeting someone's deep hunger for God's word. Do you have a hunger for God's word? Would you fast? Would you weep? Would you cry? Would you pray? Would you beg for God to send you a Bible? Well, you don't have to. We have 50 in the closet in the hallway. And there are countless others in countless homes. But the question that perhaps we should be asking is why this man was so persistent in praying for a Bible. It is because the Bible is the most powerful book in the world. And despite what some might think, the Bible remains over the centuries, the most popular book in the world. 
It is the most sold book in the world. It is the most successful literary creation of all time. Every year, over 100 million Bibles are sold or given away. And so it is the bestseller this year. It was the bestseller last year. It will be the bestseller next year. The question is, are they being sold to be devoured or are they being sold to sit on a shelf? unused. One former prime minister of England described the Bible as like high explosive. And I've told you several times before the profound effect that the Bible has had on my life, how it transformed me. You see, the Bible is the most precious book in the world. The psalmist describes the words of God as being more precious than gold. This is why I'm constantly prodding and pleading and poking and saying, y'all ain't reading y'all's Bible. Because if we are in the word of God, then we walk by the will of God and stand in the power of God and the circumstances that we face cannot affect us. We are affected because we're malnourished. Do you think your body would survive if you ate a meager portion once a week, twice a week during small group season? Do you think your body would survive if all you ever put in it was a meager portion that someone slid across a table? No. Family, we are malnourished without the word of God. In fact, Jesus said in Matthew 4, 4, that people do not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. In other words, material things don't satisfy. Even the best human relationships don't ultimately satisfy because we have a spiritual hunger. And that hunger requires the bread of heaven. And those, Jesus says, are the words that proceed from God's mouth. You see, the primary way that God speaks is through his word. Yes, I believe God gives uh, uh, rhema words in real time. I do believe that. But the primary way he speaks is through his word. And the way that we evaluate a rhema word is through his word. You want to hear God speak? Open up your Bible. You want to know God's heart? Open up your Bible. You want to know God's voice? Open up your Bible. You want to know God's hopes, God's desires, God's passions, God's perspective? Open up your Bible. And you will see all of God that you want to see. I have just a couple of things I want to share with you about this subject and then I'll be out of your way. The first thing about the Bible that is important, it is that it is God's revelation. We sang that together just now, didn't we? It is God's revelation. In other words, God has spoken. I've had friends over the years say to me, if there is a God, why doesn't he show himself to us? Why doesn't he reveal himself? 
And the answer is he has already revealed himself. First, he revealed himself in creation. Much of the scientific world agrees with that. The fact that we're here, the fact that there is something rather than nothing, the fact that the universe is so finely tuned with specific design, we know that God has revealed himself in creation. In fact, Albert Einstein, one of the great scientists of all time, said this, a legitimate conflict between science and religion cannot exist. Religion without science is blind. Science without religion is lame. We need both because God has revealed himself through nature. We need both because that is what actually answers the how and the when questions. But supremely, God has revealed himself in a person. He's revealed himself in the person of Jesus. But how do we know about Jesus? How do we study the life of Jesus beyond the history channel? and whatever configuration they've made up for that Lenten season. How do we know who Jesus is and how he operated? Yes, there are extra biblical texts, but the clearest view of Jesus is the Bible. The entire Bible, according to Jesus, is about him. You know the story. They're walking along after his resurrection. They begin to tell Jesus, who they don't know is Jesus, that they have just killed Jesus. And Jesus says, it's me. And they say, it's who? And he says, it's me. You don't recognize me? And then Luke tells us what? He says that it, Jesus began to instruct them from the prophets to the end about the Bible concerning himself. The Bible is God's revelation, God's self-revelation. And the Bible is inspired by God. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, all scripture is inspired by God. It is God breathed. To put it very simply, you could say it this way. The Bible claims to be the word of God. That's where all of us begin. And then with some exploration, we transition to thinking that, yes, this seems to be the word of God. And over time, it starts to ring true in our souls. And then it proves to us to be ignited and inspired by God. Pope Francis, in the first official document that he produced as Pope, Evangelii Gaudium, the joy of the gospel, he says this about the Bible, we do not blindly seek God or wait for him to speak to us first, for God has already spoken and there is nothing further that we need to know which has not been revealed to us. Let us receive the sublime treasure of the revealed word. All scripture is God's breed. And over a 1,600-year period and across over 40 authors, there were kings and poor people and philosophers and fishermen and poets and statesmen and historians and doctors, all inspired by God to put together his words 
in different types of literature, in history, in poetry, in prophecy, in letters. So it is 100% God breathed. And yet he involved humanity in constructing his word. God's word is his revelation. In fact, again, going to 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true, to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us what is right. I don't know about you, but I often avoid the word because I want to keep doing what I'm doing. But every time I pick up the Bible, it tears at the idolatrous parts of my heart. Why? Because it's God's revealed word. And it is God's boundaries for our life. So number one, the word of God is God's revelation. Number two, the word of God is also God's means of relationship. God speaks for the purpose of relationship. You see, the Bible is like a love letter from God. When you get a letter from someone you love, if people are still doing that, you treasure that letter. Not necessarily because of the letter, because the letter itself is nothing in a way, isn't it? It's because of the person who wrote it. And it's the same with the word of God. This book itself, well, it's nothing. It's because of the author, because of who wrote it, who wants to be in relationship with you, who wants to know you and walk with you and speak to you and love you. That is why it's precious. In fact, Jesus said this in John 5, said, you diligently study the scriptures because you think that by them you possess eternal life. These are the scriptures that testify about me. And yet, you refuse to come to me and have life. Because the whole point of the book is so that you and I can be friends of Jesus. The whole point of the book is so that you and I can be in relationship with God. The book is a means to an end, and the end is restoring what was lost in the garden, the ability to walk with God in the cool of the day and hear his voice and know his heart and experience his presence and experience his nearness. And if that is not something you desire, then there is some soul searching in order. So if you want to have a relationship with Jesus or grow your relationship with God, it's going to be found in his word. In fact, John's gospel says this in chapter 20, verse 31, these things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of God. And by believing, you may have life. In other words, the whole point I've written this gospel, John says, is so that you can see who God is and grow in faith toward him. And by believing in him, have relationship. A relationship that will give you life. 
the book you and I have such an ease of access to. It changes everything. And over the last 20 years or so, I've read this book practically every day. And it's changed me. Not because I felt that I have to. Who wants to be in a have-to relationship? Who wants a shotgun wedding? Nobody. I don't read it because I have to. I read it because I need to. I read it because I want to. I read it because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I read it because when the enemy whispers what my identity is, I can go to the word and say, no, sir, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. When he tells me that the things that I'm doing have no plot, no plan, no purpose, I can go to the word and say, before the foundations of the world, I was chosen by the living God. He has made me a masterpiece for a master work as a master craftsman. When they told me in seminary that there is no no way you're going to plant a church that's going to get all of these different types of people together. I opened up my word to Revelation 7 verse 9 and I said there around the throne of God is every tribe and every tongue and every nation and every people and if the word says it's possible then all things are possible. I don't read it because I have to. I read it because if I don't, I'll die. Do you see it that way? This week, one of my friends may very well have terminated his ministry. I've been grieving for two days. I don't know whether the call, I don't know whether the text, I don't, I don't know what to do. But what I've wondered, what I've wondered is if the business of ministry consumed the relationship through the word. If I don't read it, I'll blow up my life. If I don't read it, I will shrivel. Oh, please hear my heart. This is, this is not an attack. This is not, I'm not lobbing grenades. Hear my heart. If you come here and you don't feel it, you're probably not in your word. If you're wondering where God is and why he's not speaking, you're probably not in your word. If church has just become a routine for you that you participate in at your convenient time, you're probably not in the word of God. Because I can tell you, I was exhausted tonight. I'm still exhausted. But as soon as I stepped in the house, guess what came into my mind? I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord, the word of God. It's how we know him. It's how we see him. In fact, I read something Rick Warren said once about the Bible. He says, reading the Bible generates life. It produces change. It heals hurts. It builds character. 
It transforms circumstances. It imparts joy. It overcomes adversity. It defeats temptation. It infuses hope. It releases power. It cleanses the mind. The word of God does it all. Now the last thing I'll cover and then we'll go to the table together is how do we hear God speak through his word? How do we hear him speak through the Bible? But can I suggest first of all that we open it? And can I suggest secondly that we make a plan There's so many great resources at our fingertips now. And may I suggest that you choose a place, a solitary place. You'll recall from our spring series how often Jesus went to the Eremos, a solitary place where the noise is quieted. It may require a time that is earlier than when your kids get up, which requires a time for you to get yourself in the bed. What I'm telling you is make a plan and prioritize nourishing your soul before you nourish your body. Find a place, make a plan, and then find a pattern. There are one-year Bibles. There are morning and evening devotionals. There are all types of different plans that you can follow to read your Bible in a single year, and then you do it again. You do it again. You intentionally go after God in his word. And I know it almost sounds too simple, but it works. In fact, two tools that I like to share that may help you are the Dwell app and the Abide app. The Dwell app reads me the Bible, and I get to choose several fantastic voices to do so. There is nobody who reads you the Bible like a Ugandan or Kenyan brother, period. And then the Lord said, I mean, it's just, it's more magnificent. When I get, you know, once I cycle through that, I'll pull in some British cats. But the Dwell app, it reads your Bible to you. The Abide app takes you through guided meditations, through scripture. And both of them have proved invaluable to my spiritual life. So the challenge I put before you is start tomorrow. Start tomorrow, and I promise you in a year's time, you will have read your entire Bible. And it will be a life-changing experience. God will speak to you. God will speak to you. I know I already talked about this verse, but let me close with this. It has been years now, but it was the Lord speaking to me through his word that birthed our church. 
I was in a large church in Tennessee, my wife and I, serving as an associate pastor. It was a tough season there for a lot of reasons. But one of those reasons was that I was the lone, lone ethnic minority on our staff and the lone ethnic minority in a church of almost 1,700 people. I have so many stories I don't have time to tell them. Like one of the elders walking up to me when I had cornrows and asking me, when are you going to cut that rapper hair? It was a trying season. And it troubled me. It troubled me that, the, that a church could have that little of God's creative genius in it. And it led to long days and some sleepless nights. And one morning I was in the word. And I rolled into Revelation. And I came to an abrupt halt at Revelation 7, 9 through 10. After this, I looked, and there was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, standing before the throne, and before the lamb, robed in white, with palm branches in their hands. You thought them old church mamas had palm branches for no reason. It's from the word. It's from Jesus' triumphal entry and from here in Revelation. With palm branches in their hands, they cried out in a loud voice. How did they cry out? Bring that energy to worship. They cried out in a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God, who is seated on the throne, and to the Lamb. When I finished it, I was shaking with tears, wanting so desperately to see this future vision of the church become a reality in our time. I remember telling my wife about what I felt and what had happened. And she may not even remember this, but she said, which is so characteristic, do you think the Lord might be trying to speak to you? Fifteen years later, it seems he was. And so let me close by asking you the same question. Do you think the Lord might be trying to speak to you? And if so, will you open up your word and let him? Father, we thank you for your word and the power of your word. We thank you that your word is nourishment and your word is life and your word is all-consuming. I pray now, Lord, that you would grow in us a hunger for the word, a desire for the word, a passion for the word, that we would want to know you through the word, 
that we would experience your mercy, your grace, your massiveness, your power, your wonder, your joy, your purpose, your freedom, your love, your nearness, your presence, your power, your vision. I pray that we would experience it through your word. Father, I pray over this congregation that you would make the hunger for the word so strong and the spiritual hunger in their souls so gnawing that nothing else satisfies until they have feasted on you. We ask all of these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen and amen.